This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning again. Uh, Before we continue on with our series this morning, just a couple announcements I wanted to make. As I mentioned last week, um, every month here at the church, we give to Samaritan's Purse, which is an international relief organization. And uh, we gave an extra donation uh, a couple weeks ago, obviously, to help deal with the issues there in Texas. Um, And then also there's going to be some aftermath here of Irma in Florida. But just to let you know that we give every month to Samaritan's Purse. uh, We gave some extra, obviously, because of the issues that are arising in the South and the States and also in the Caribbean. Uh, But you can always give extra at SamaritansPurse.ca. There's a place there for you to give personally if you choose uh, to do so. And one thing I wanted to let you know about that... On Friday, my parents celebrated 55 years of marriage. <laughs> and if for those of you maybe that are new or don't know, uh, my dad, my mom, and my mom and dad were pastors here before me for about 20 years. And so we just want to honor them today and thank God for them for their faithfulness to each other and the church and ministry. <laughs> And some other time, we will have them teach on marriage together. That's always a fun time when they do that. Um, See, they used to be the boss. Now I'm the boss, and you have to do what I say. So we'll do that at some point. Um, One other thing, we had our volunteer appreciation party on Friday. And for those of you that were able to make it, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming, and let us say thank you to you. Um, For those of you that showed up, you'll know and you'll remember it. It was just a cold Friday night in September. But we had a good time outside having a barbecue, sort of a barbecue, and we had a movie on the lawn. Um, If you missed that or if you want to check it out, you can see uh, some pictures on our Instagram feed. All right, let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll get started. In September, September is kind of a second new year. In January, we're very open to making changes, resolutions, adjustments in our lives. Um, And then the same also happens in the fall, whether or not you're going back to school or whatever the case may be, our vacations generally are over, and then we're kind of settling into our fall routine. And what this series is all about is um, within the context of our relationship with God in practical terms, what does it actually mean for us in this time when we're ready to maybe do new things? What is the voice of God speaking to our hearts and our minds? What are the goals and dreams and visions as we talked about last week? What is God speaking to us? What is God showing us about our future? And um, what is the nature of what God shows us? In the context of our relationship with him, what does it look like? What is God showing us? What is he saying to us? What perspective on life does he want us to have? And that's what this series is all about. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 says, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we can see positionally, spiritually in Christ that we're seated in heavenly places. In other words, we're seated up with God. And this is the heavenly perspective that we're supposed to be having on life. 
that we are not just down low, or that we're not just underneath everything, but that we are seated with God in Christ in heavenly places. And we all know when we have a high view of a situation, we sort of um, have a different perspective on life. And this is, God, this is how God wants us to live our lives from this heavenly perspective. Psalm 113 verse 4 says, The Lord is high above all nations, and his glory above all the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, the princes of his people. So once again, we see that God is up, positionally up. And then what is he doing to people? He is lifting people up. So God wants us to have this heavenly perspective, but then also actively, God's spirit, God's power, his ways is all about lifting people up. He's not about grinding people into the dust. He's not about damaging or hurting people. He is about lifting people up, lifting people up to a different place. And that includes you. Philippians chapter three, verse 14 says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What kind of call? The upward call. So God is speaking to us. God is talking to us. As I talked to a few people um, last week after service, just about sort of dreams and visions and goals and maybe some adjustments they need to make this fall. They knew right away when I talked about it. Yeah, I know I've been thinking about this and I need to make this change and I need to do this thing. And so the voice of God in our lives, what does it sound like? It's an upward call. God is calling us up. He's wanting us to live from this heavenly perspective. Actively, he's lifting us up. And then also he's calling us up. So our relationship with God in practical terms looks like this. It's this upward motion. So last week we focused on the idea of dreams and visions. That uh, God gives us dreams and visions for our lives. So I won't reteach that whole thing. If you missed the message, you can catch up on our website, our podcast, and also through our church app. But in practical terms, how do we actually move and uh, get to the culmination of the dreams and visions that God has given us? The things that he's placed in our hearts and minds, the goals that we have out in front of us. How do we actually get there? And that's what we're going to be discussing today. We finished up last week with this verse, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So we want to be, and we should continue to be faithful to the vision uh, that God has for us in our lives. Now, this applies to every area of life. Uh, All of us in here, we're at different ages and stages of life. We all have different contexts that we're coming in. Some of us are younger. I claim that. Some of us are older. And regardless of where you are in life, God has something out in front of you. God is moving you to a goal, to a dream and to a vision, and he wants us to be faithful to that. But when we think about um, dreams and visions, where, where specifically are they applying to in our lives? Well, it's every area. It's inside the home. It's outside of the home. It's wherever we find ourselves right now, God is moving us to the dream and vision that he has for us in our lives. Now, when we think about dreams and visions and goals, you know, sometimes it can be very exciting um, to think about it, and it's, it's, you know, it's something out, and it's big, and it's exciting, and I'm moving in this direction. But when we think about dreams and visions, one of the things that we forget to talk about 
is that there actually takes some work to move towards your dream and a vision. Because ultimately, the dream and the vision is free. It comes from the heart and mind of God, and he shows us something, he reveals us something, and it's exciting. But then it actually takes effort on our part. It's going to take some work on our part. Does everybody like work? <laughs> we're not so sure. Sometimes maybe we like work, maybe we don't like work. You know, maybe we're thinking that uh, the work is like because of the curse of the law. God has cursed us with work. No, before uh, we see in the garden Adam and Eve, God gave them work to do before the curse. So work is not actually a result of the curse. It's actually one of the purposes of our lives. And we need to be working towards these dreams and visions that are in our heart. And there's some real practical things that we can do that we're going to discuss today to move towards those dreams and visions. Because we want uh, the things that we imagine. We want the things that we think about. We want those things to materialize in our lives. We want those things to show up. Because God is not just showing us these things so we can just be thinking about them. He actually wants us to move in that direction. Genesis chapter 2, let's turn over there. We see what God gives Adam, the first, one of the first jobs that Adam had to do. Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. It says, Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So here was Adam's first job. He had to name all of the animals. Now, how many of you think this is a pretty big job? Not only is this a pretty big job, it actually takes some creativity. You know, because after a little while, you can be like four-legged beast number eight. takes a little bit of creativity to have all of these names and see this is what god wants us to do with our lives he wants us to be creative god is a creative god created the heavens and the earth we are made in his image we can be creative in our lives and to move ourselves to these dreams and visions that god has placed on the inside of it's going to take some creativity now, sometimes we, we relegate creativity to maybe somebody who's very artistic, maybe somebody who can paint or sing or some, someone um, who excels in those areas of life. But really, all of us can be creative. All of us can apply creativity to wherever we are in life. And there's an excitement that comes when we decide to be creative. Because, you know, everything that we do can get monotonous, whether it's raising children or doing housework or whatever your job is, all of those things can get monotonous. And then when we decide to be creative, finding a new way to do the same thing, this is where the joy of life comes in. This is what moving um, ourselves uh, to this dream and vision that we have. You know, parents, uh, we, we all have a dream and a vision when we get married to maybe have children one day. And then, you know, it's exciting. We're planning for this, our first baby to come. And there's a lot of activity and work that goes into this dream of having a child. We got to get the baby's room ready and we got to paint. If we know the gender of the child, then we, we're going to paint in accordance to whatever the gender is. And we got to get food and we got to go to all uh, of these parties and people are going to give us diapers and all of these gifts. And, and it's just such a wonderful dream to think about a baby. 
But then we act, when we actually experience the dream and the vision of having a child, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to have a child. And see, this is, this is the joy of life. Once again, God has called us all as these dreams and visions that God has given us. He is wanting us to work towards these dreams and visions. He wants us to be creative as it relates to moving ourselves to the dream and the vision that God has given us. Now, when we, when we think about moving towards our vision, you know, one day we will have an idea, we'll have a goal, we'll have a dream and a vision from God. And then the culmination of the vision is way down here somewhere. Now, some dreams and visions don't actually take very long. Once again, having a baby, you know, once your wife gets pregnant, it takes about 10 months, 9, 10 months, and the baby shows up, and we have a, a specific time frame on that. And then if you're starting high school, you know it's going to be four years, right? You're going to do it in four years. You're going to do it in four years. You're not going to do it in five. You know it's going to take so long. But there's other things when we start out with a dream and a vision. We don't actually know how long it's going to take. How do we get to that place? of experiencing the culmination of our dream and vision. Well, we're going to have to take some steps towards it. We're going to have to work towards our dream and the vision. The scripture says that a good man's steps are ordered by the Lord. And that's what we want in our lives. We want God to order our steps to move us to the place that he has for us. God is ordering our steps. So high school takes four years. Having a baby takes nine to ten months. Raising a child takes a lifetime, and my parents are still giving me advice. So raising children takes a whole life. But there's other things that we start out with. We don't actually know how long it's going to take. We don't know how long it's going to take to get there. But regardless of how long it takes, there's certain things that we can do in our lives to be able to apply good principles so that we can actually see the culmination of our dream and vision. And God wants us to enjoy the journey on the way to the dream. It, it shouldn't be just some hard, difficult thing, even though there is going to be some hard work involved to get to your dream. But we should be enjoying life along the way. So let's turn over to Proverbs chapter three, 13, rather, and we're going to see some advice the scripture gives us uh, to be able to enjoy the dreams and visions that God has given us. So as we think about work, how should we work? When we're working towards our dream, what should be the attitude um, with which we're working? In the home, outside of the home? Should we be um, excited? Should we put in our best effort? What, what is something that crops up along the way when we know we have to work hard or we, we know we have to work for a long period of time? Something that crops up along the way is something that we're all familiar with, and it is laziness. Has anyone ever experienced laziness? Has anyone ever given in to laziness? Man, we all have at some point or another just given in to laziness. But ultimately, we know that laziness is not going to get us to our goals and our dreams. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 4 says, the soul, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. Do you like that word sluggard? A slug. What do you think about when you think of a slug? Somebody's just not doing anything. Someone's just sort of sitting around. The soul of the sluggard craves 
I want this and I want that and I want this, but gets nothing. While the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. The soul of the diligent. So here I am, I have this dream and this vision, this goal over here. How am I going to get there? How am I going to see the dream and the vision? How am I going to experience the dream and the vision? Well, we know it's going to take hard work. And then it's going to take diligence. You know, we celebrated, as, as, as we did in February, five years here in our church building. And as we told the whole story, which I'm not going to retell right now, but it was a dream and vision of my parents to be able to get in, into a new church building. And in February of 2011, you know, we announced to the church that we had our new church building and that we were debt-free and it was all exciting. But from te- uh, February 2011 to February 2012, when we actually moved into this building, for my wife and I, it was the hardest work we have ever done in our lives. It was a lot of hard work. We had to work with construction people and designers and architects and, and realtors and bankers and stuff that we had never done before. So the dream and the vision, it was exciting, but then it, it takes hard work. So it's going to take hard work. And then it's also going to take diligence. Now, diligence is the attitude that precedes hard work. Now, we can be excited and be like, yeah, I want that. But we all, at some point, have given in to laziness. And we look out at the future and we think, man, it's going to take a year just to get to step one. And then four more years after that, and then five years after that, (laughs) that's a lot. You know, I I just feel like I need a nap before I get started. I'm just going to sit down here, and my dream is over there in the distance. And this is what happens to us when we start to count the cost of maybe to get to our dream and our vision is actually going to take a lot of work and it's going to take a lot of effort and it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take a lot of steps, not just one step, a bunch of steps. But diligence is the thing that's going to take us there. Now, my mother read these verses to me when I was a teenager, and I was kind of in one of those spots where, you know, I didn't know about my future, I didn't know what I was going to do, and I was a little bit bored with life, so my mother literally read these verses to me, sat me down on the sofa, I remember specifically where we were, and my mother preached this sermon to me, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 says, go to the ant, O sluggard, (laughs) thanks mom. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? The ant is the illustration. The ant who doesn't have a boss. Doesn't have somebody telling you, oh, this is what you need to do, and here's the next step, and here's the other thing, and, and are you coming into work on time, and are, are, you, are you doing this, and are you giving your best effort? The ant has no boss, and then it's constantly working. It's constantly moving. It's constantly taking steps. This is what the scripture is telling us to move us to the dreams and visions that God has given us. God puts us, puts something in front of us because he wants us to move there. He doesn't want us to just think it. 
and see it. Yes, we need to think it and see it, and that's the first step, but then we have to move. But we can't be lazy. We can't easily quit. We have to be moving in the direction that we see in our heart. Psalm 90, verse 17 says, Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, he repeats it. Establish the work of our hands, the work of our hands. That means I got to be doing something. There has to be activity as it relates to moving myself to the dream and vision that God has for me. It just can't be laying around. Because God is going to be blessing the work of your hands. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10 says, No matter what you do, work at it with all your might. No matter what you do, inside the home, outside of the home with our relationships, with our career, with our education. What are we going to do? We're going to work at it with all our might. We're going to give our best effort. Remember, you are going to your grave. This gets a little bit morbid. And there isn't any work, planning, or knowledge, wisdom there. So when you die, there's no more planning. So in other words, now is the time to work. It's a gift from God. Work is a gift from God. That we're going to put our hands to something. That we're going to be moving. We're going to be taking the steps toward the goal, the dream, and the vision. Whatever we do, we're going to do it with all of our might. Colossians 3, verse 23 says, Work at everything you do with all your heart. In other words, be passionate. Inside of the home, outside of the home. Be passionate. So easy to lay down and take a nap. Now, if you, I'm not talking about if you actually need rest. That's, I'm, I'm talking about the mentality of I always need to sleep. I always need to be doing nothing. No, we need to be working. Yes, physically we need to sleep. But our attitude shouldn't be of a sleeper, lazy person. We're going to do it with all our might. We're going to be passionate. Even at a job we don't like. We're going to be passionate because when we're passionate about a job we don't like, then we will find promotion. God will promote us. But if we decide to be lazy because I don't like my job, there is no promotion coming. Do you understand? Nobody owes you anything. Nobody owes you anything. Your boss doesn't owe you a promotion if you don't like your job. Come on now. If you work hard at it and you be passionate about it, then you will see promotion. Like, I don't like this job, so I'm going to give half-baked effort all the time. And I just don't know why I'm not going up in the company. Because you're lazy. You're not passionate. Sound like my dad. Here we go. (laughs) Work at everything you do with all your heart. Work as if you were working For the Lord, not human masters. So if you are blessed with your job, if if you're blessed by having a job, but you don't like your human boss, don't work hard for your human boss. Work hard for the Lord. That's what the scripture is saying. You don't have to like your boss to work hard. I'm working for God today. 
Have you ever worked for, maybe this is present tense for you, nobody here at the church. Have you ever worked here, ever worked for a mean and nasty boss? Have you? It's no fun. I remember this one guy, I mean, he could never do anything right. Never said thank you, never, like just mean. It's no fun to work for somebody like that. But we could still give our best effort. Why? Because we're working for the Lord. And not only are we working for the Lord, we're moving to that goal and that dream. God doesn't want us to live static, stagnant lives in any respect. He's lifting us up. He's calling us up. And then we want to move to the dreams and visions that God has placed in our heart. There's a very famous character in the Old Testament, Joseph. We're going to read about him. He's famous for being a dreamer. Joseph, if you remember the story in the Old Testament, his dad loved him a lot. Um, He was the youngest, and so he made this very special coat for Joseph. He had all of these colors in it. He was sort of playing favorites uh, with his kids, which is never a good parenting strategy, as we will see here in these verses. But Joseph is known in the scripture for having a dream. And the dream that he had that we're going to read about or that you might already be familiar with, it wasn't a straight line to his dream. And it wasn't easy. It was pretty difficult. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, right turns and detours on the way to his dream. So let's read here a little bit about Joseph. Genesis 37. We're just going to read the highlights today. You can read the rest of it maybe this this afternoon when you go home. But Genesis 37 verse 3. It says, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Joseph had been born to him when he was old. Israel made him a beautiful robe. Joseph's brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, so they hated Joseph. Once again, not a good parenting strategy. They couldn't even speak one kind word to him. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. And here's something you need to think about. It's very important who you tell your dreams to. Because there are some people who won't encourage you with your dreams. And it's better being quiet than sharing your dreams with someone who are just going to squash them. And and has failed at everything in life. And, well, I tried that once and it didn't work. And I tried that and it didn't work. And then you come to, I'm going to do this. Oh, probably not going to happen for you. Don't tell your dreams to people who don't care about them and it won't encourage you. And this is the way Joseph's brothers were. Verse 6, he said to them, listen to the dream I had. We were tying up bundles of grain out in the field. Suddenly my bundle rose up and stood up straight. Your bundles gathered around my bundle and bowed down to it. (laughs) So they already didn't like him. And then here's my dream, guys. You're just going to all bow down to me. Now, when you're young and you're a teenager, you're going to interpret this dream in very egotistical, arrogant ways. Now, we know ultimately the culmination of this dream was that in the future, uh, Joseph had been made a leader in Egypt. And there was a famine in the land and all of Joseph's brothers came to him because the only place that there was food left is because of Joseph's leadership. And they came and they bowed down to him and Joseph was able to feed his family. 
So the culmination of the dream was actually something positive for his brothers, even though they couldn't see it at this time. They didn't like what the dreamer had to say. Verse 8, it says, His brothers said to him, Do you plan to be king over us? Will you really rule over us? So they hated him even more because of his dream. They didn't like what he had said. Then Joseph had another dream. He told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. He should have learned the first time. This time, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He told his father as well as his brothers, and his father objected. He said, what about this dream you had? Will your mother and I and our brothers really do that? Will we really come down and bow to the ground in front of you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. So here, Joseph is a dreamer, and he has this dream from God. That ultimately comes to fruition many years down the road. And Joseph is able to help his family and bless his brothers. But here we're going to read about sort of a jagged road on the way to the dream. So later on, same chapter, verse 17. So Joseph went to look for his brothers. He found them near Dothan. But they saw him a long way off. But he, re- he reached them. They made plans to kill him and so you thought your family was dysfunctional here comes that dreamer they said to one another come let's kill him let's throw him into these empty wells let's say a wild animal ate him up then we will see whether his dreams will come true see and this is what it's like sometimes we're here we're excited and then a couple years pass and i feel like I've only taken a step or two to the dream. And it can be maybe disappointing. And these thoughts can rise up in our hearts. We're just going to see whether this thing actually comes to pass. We're going to see whether or not this dream actually comes true. And he had opposition, in, sadly, in the form of his family. Verse 21, Reuben heard them. He tried to save Joseph from them. Let's not take his life, he said. Let's not spill any blood. Throw him into this empty well here in the desert, but do not harm him yourselves. Reuben said that to save Joseph. So he had one brother that was helping him out. Said that to save Joseph from them. He was hoping he could take him back to his father. Verse 23. When Joseph came to his brothers, he was wearing his beautiful robe. They took it away from him. And they threw him into the well. The well was empty. There wasn't any water in it. When they sat down to eat their meal, as they did... They saw some Ishmaelite traders coming from Gilead. Their camels were loading spices and lotions and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and try to cover up what we've done? Come, let us sell him. Option B, we're not going to kill him, we're going to sell him. It's a great family. They sell him to these traders. Let's not harm him ourselves. After all, he is our brother. He's our own flesh and blood. Judah's, brother, Judah's brothers agreed with him. The traders from Midian came by. Joseph's brothers pulled him up out of the well. They sold him to the Ishmaelite traders for eight ounces of silver. Then the traders took him to Egypt. It's not really a straight line to the dream, is it? It's not necessarily an easy road to the dream. His family is opposing him. And now he's sold to the Ishmaelites who eventually sell him to Potiphar in Egypt. Now, Potiphar, the story continues, Potiphar is a ruler in Egypt. 
And, and then Joseph all of a sudden becomes a ruler or a leader in Potiphar's house. So even though Joseph is not to the place of his dream, not anywhere close, he's also finding favor with God after he was sold. And he was still diligent to become a leader in the household of Potiphar. Even when it was a crooked line on the way to his dream. He wasn't giving up on his dream. Now if you remember the story, Joseph is a good looking guy and Potiphar had a wife. And Potiphar's wife took an interest in Joseph. And the King James says that she wanted to lie with him. And it was nothing to do with taking a nap. And so... Joseph resisted. Now, if you think about it, Joseph um, could have done whatever Potiphar's wife wanted and could have curried favor with her because ultimately he's thinking, God wants me to be a leader. And if I get in um, you know, good graces, so to speak, with Potiphar's wife, maybe I will find a promotion. But how many of you know that would be a shortcut? That wouldn't be the way God would want him to experience promotion. See, and all of us on the way to our dream are going to be presented with shortcuts. This has taken a really long time. Joseph was presented with a shortcut. See, we can have a dream and a vision, but we don't want to give in to shortcuts. Our character will sustain us all the way to the culmination of the dream. And this was true with Joseph. Let's see as he resisted Potiphar's wife. Verse 9 of Genesis 39. It says, No one in this house is a higher position than I am. My master hasn't held anything back from me except you. You are his wife. So how could I do an evil thing like that? How could I sin against God? Joseph was resisting the shortcut. So what are we looking at? We're looking at diligence. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to move. I'm going to work hard with my hands. I'm going to take steps towards my dream. And I'm not going to take any shortcuts. doesn't matter how long it takes. Maybe it's going to add a two, two years for me to do it the honest way, the right way. Joseph could have seen his way out of this, to being a slave somehow. So if you know the rest of the story, Potiphar's wife, because he didn't give in to her, she actually accused him of doing the thing that she actually wanted. She accused him of raping her. Well, she didn't really want him to rape her. You know what I'm saying. And then he, what happened? He got thrown in jail. His family sold him. Falsely accused. Thrown in jail. But there's a dream out in front of him. And here, Joseph in jail, in prison. Let's read about it. Genesis 40, verse 1. Sometime later, the Egyptian king's baker and the wine taster did something their master didn't like. So Pharaoh became angry with his two officials, the chief wine taster and the chief baker. He put them in the prison in the house of the captain of the place of the guard. It was the same prison where Joseph was kept. The captain put Joseph in charge of those men. So Joseph took care of them in prison. 
Joseph is still being diligent and getting promoted. He's sold. He's diligent. He gets promoted. He unfairly gets accused. He gets thrown in prison. He maintains his character. He's diligent. He gets promoted. Moving him towards his dream. Is that the road Joseph wanted to take? If he was marking out a road from the place where you receive the dream to the culmination of the dream, is that the path he would have chosen? No, of course not. But each step along the way, he maintained his diligence. He maintained his character. And eventually he was moved into the place, the culmination of his dream, where he was able to feed and save his family. So wherever you are today, whether you're just getting started, or whether you're just at the end and just about to experience your dream, let's maintain our diligence. Let's maintain our character so we can walk in the dream and vision that God has given us for our families, for our career, for our parenting, for our marriage, for our relationships. Last verse, and then we're done. Proverbs 12, verse 14 says, From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hands comes back to him. We're going to be speaking about the dream and vision that God has given to us. And then we're going to be working towards it. And then ultimately, we will be satisfied. Whether it's one of those one-year goals, a four-year goal, a 20-year goal. God wants to move our lives to the plans and purposes that he has for us. Let's just pray this morning. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you again for the dreams and visions that you have put in our hearts and in our minds. And I pray, Lord, for everyone in here today who maybe they feel like they've given up on their goals, they've given up on their dreams, regardless of their age in here, God. I pray, Lord, that you reignite a fire on the inside of them. That you reignite a passion on the inside of them, Lord. To move them to the dream and vision that you have given them. God, I know life can be disappointing and there's sidetracks and there's detours. But regardless of all of those things, Lord, we know that you are with us every step of the way. That you are ordering our steps. And you are with us by your spirit. That you are helping us along the way. God, we pray that you help us to be diligent. That you show us the steps. The adjustments that we need to make to move us to that place that you have for us. We thank you for that today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.